Hello, and welcome to Oakland's Brighter Business Podcast. I'm Mark Croucher, an associate partner at Oakland, and today I'm super excited to be talking about all things customer experience and service design. Customer experience, or the sum of all interactions that a customer has with an organization or brand, has never been more important. Customers have higher expectations, choice, and power than ever before, and organizations that fail to meet those expectations will lose customers and market share. In today's world, meeting those customer expectations has never been harder. Methods like service design can help organizations by putting customers at the heart of their designs, increasing the likelihood of delivering experiences that customers want and meeting their expectations and driving loyalty. For anyone not familiar with customer experience or service design, here's a simple example that we like. Imagine you're building a hotel. Customer experience is the overall impression your guests have at the end of their stay. This includes factors like how comfortable and clean the rooms are, how helpful and friendly the staff are, and how easy it is to check in and check out. Service design, on the other hand, is the strategic planning and implementation of that hotel's offering to ensure a seamless and enjoyable experience for their guests. This includes everything from designing the hotel's layout, the furniture, the decor, and developing processes for cleaning the rooms and training the staff. Just like a successful hotel requires a great customer experience and effective service design, business needs to consider both aspects when designing their products and services. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by two experts in customer experience and service design from BP, an organization we've been working closely with in the innovation space. Bethany Yuruse, Senior Principal, Design Integration and Change, and Fusen Ambrose, Design Integration Lead. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if we could start by just introducing yourselves to our listeners, telling us a bit about your journey into customer experience and service design. Thanks, Mark. Lovely to be here today. So I started out in the 90s working in digital back when the commercial internet was a fairly new thing and I was a web designer. Um, so in my early roles, I did a bit of everything um, from front end development to um, information architecture and visual design and branding. Um, as the um, the discipline of design and digital design started to evolve, I focused more on user experience design. And in the early 2000s, I was involved in the first wave of digital transformation within financial services, um, helping large IT um, transformation programs, digitizing business processes and bringing a human-centered approach to that. Um, so I've spent many years working in the financial services sector as a consultant um, and a supplier. I've also spent time in-house as um, a UX lead within one of our largest banks. Um, and I've joined BP uh, about uh, just over a year and a half ago to lead some of our design um, function within our innovation and engineering organization. Thank you so much, Bethany. That, that's great. And, and, and Fusen? I'm Fusen Ambrose. Thank you so much for inviting us today. Um, so I um, I started my career in marketing. And um, I, um, well, before that, actually, it was a lot of different subjects that I studied. So uh, I guess, like, what drew me into CX and service design was, like, uh, my curiosity. I was, like, the reason I studied all sorts of different things was because I was also trying to understand um, a lot about the human behaviors and the behavioral economics and why people do what they do, what makes them tick, and what makes them, um, you know, do certain actions with or without realizing it. I joined BP in August last year. Um, um, and I am with the zero to one um, new digital product team. So um, 
zero to one means nothing to something. So um, it you know from from hunch to digital products that we are going to build, and um, yeah. That's me. Perfect. Th thank you both. What, what a varied background we've got coming coming on today. So thank you so much. Um, now, a, a question we'd like to kick off and, and ask, what does um, customer centricity mean to you? Um, I, to me, it means like focusing on the human with real needs, with real frustrations, with real feelings, with real emotions, with, with real goals. And um, people buying our products, um, people um, sort of using our products and um, people impacted by our products and services. And it's building the products that they love and it's building the product. It's designing the experiences that uh, they will enjoy and they, it will have a, a positive impact on, um, on their lives and also on the planet and society at large as well. The only thing I would add to that is... Um... When I think about customer centricity, I think human centricity, we're thinking about people at the end of the day and, and that customer, it may be a consumer of our services, it may be a colleague or, you know, any number of people who are um, impacted by what we do. But it's really about starting with their needs and understanding how we can best meet their needs and actually bringing them into the process of, of, of helping to address their needs. So co-creation with the humans that are being impacted by what we do. I also think it's really important to think about customer centricity as everyone's job. I think um, in the past it's often been seen as sort of a department. We have a, a CX department or a customer centricity team. And, and obviously that's important. We need people who are really driving this stuff. But I think it's actually about imbuing it throughout the entire organisation and just making sure that everyone feels some sense of ownership about the customer, the humans, the people at the heart of what we do, and, and that everyone's asking those questions. What do our customers think of this? What do they need? And are we really helping them as much as we can? Thanks, both. That, that's great. And I think there's there's a few important points I, I just want to pick out from that. I think I think the first one is, you know, we're talking about customer experience here, but I think customer could be patient, citizen, employee, user, everything we're going to touch on today, like you say, can be applied for human centric design. So maybe we should we should change the question to human centric design. Um, and, and I think you're absolutely right in when you say, you know, great, great design should always be about solving a particular user's problem, whether they know it or they don't. <laughs> and we can help uncover that with, with active research and, and, you know, talking to those those users. Um, and, and finally, I think sort of it's such an important point to say sort of CX isn't just one ro one team's role. You know, it's, it's organizational wide, um, you know, and it sort of highlights the importance, you know, Oakland have of not just delivering a great customer experience, but to do that, you need to deliver a great employee experience as well. You know, you need to have engaged and empowered employees to deliver to deliver those experiences. So I think there's some really interesting points in there. Thank you. Um, so you, you both spent your, your careers in, in customer experience and, and serve design. How have you seen the two fields sort of f uh, evolve um, as, as, you've, as you've gone through your as you've gone through your careers? And, and do you have a particular highlight to, to date? Um... I feel like, I mean, it's been around for a while, right? So Bethany mentioned um, like the sort of early 20s, the awakening like uh, era of the customer experience, especially for financial institutions. But I feel like um, 2015, 2016 were really the, the sort of the years that it started becoming more mainstream. Everyone started talking about customer experience on e-consultancy roundtables, like, you know, 
in like every single meeting that you went into there and was that, sorry there was that tagline of age of the customer wasn't it? yeah, yeah exactly the day, and yeah. um the definition of customer experience like different definitions by different consultancies and um some of which you referred to earlier as well um it all it's 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 it started becoming the sort of part of the conversation at board level and you know because companies started like feeling really scared about like getting it wrong because uh, they started understanding the cost of getting it wrong is really high and um and some someone somewhere is getting it right already and small smaller organizations startups etc started started sort of pushing their way into the you know the the big guy space the incumbent space especially in financial services and healthcare i felt that was and that was probably the the sort of key ear of the customer and um, the transformation um, for customer better customer experience and service design uh, in my experience at least was usually led by the sort of marketing um, sort of leaders the CMOs accompanied by technology leaders in the space um, so I guess like um, the highlights um, for me are more around like the um, financial services and and sort of healthcare. Um, they're both um, very heavily regulated industries with lots of complexities around, like lots of red tape, the things that you can and cannot talk about. And um, starting a transformation journey um, to um, to sort of reimagine the way they they operate they serve their customers they understand their customers i think that that required um sort of um getting stakeholder buy-in i think that was the that was the key sort of like almost educating the c-suite about the importance of the customer and taking them along the journey with you biggest career highlight i guess from a sort of cx transformation point of view for me was working with one of those um you know financial services giants um in their cx transformation journey and um, sort of, um, you know, with great leaders, really inspiring leaders from marketing and technology, but also with a great team of individuals trying to really shake the ground and, you know, make it's it's uncomfortable and it is rewarding work. It's a lot of work and um, it, it involves a lot of like sweat, tears, <laughs> long hours. And um, I was also doing that while I was planning my wedding as well. Oh, so wow. <laughs> in the, over the course of three, three, three months, we managed to sort of put together the strategy for a really large scale multi-territory sort of CX transformation program. And, um, you know, also I managed to like somehow get married as well. <laughs> as someone currently planning my wedding, I know what a mean feat that is. Um, uh, yeah. If only you could plan a wedding in three months. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, I mean, um, I guess the, the reward comes with the acknowledgement, right? So when you see the first um, sort of customer interacting with you, and when you start seeing the change, like, you know, in terms of the revenues and profits, it, it makes it makes a difference. But up until that point, it's a very uncomfortable space for senior leaders taking those like big leaps that you want them to take. It's hard. Yeah, c c completely agree. We, we've seen that change in the boardroom, haven't we, with some organizations putting chief customer officers in yeah. place. So they're really sort of buying into that customer having a seat at the, at the top table, which is which is great. Um, Bethany, what about yeah, yourself? It's, it's funny, as you were talking, Fusen, I was thinking back to some of my earliest kind of um, 
experience in the world of customer experience in about 2010, I, I, I founded a small consultancy um, which had CX in the title and we were focusing on CX. We were trying to be more holistic in our approach than previous digital agencies we'd been involved in where we'd been much more narrowly focused on UX and design of particular flows or particular screens, particular features and actually taking a much more broad view of how we're delivering experiences to customers. And back in 2010, that was still fairly new. Um, but we founded this agency with CX in the title and suddenly I was bombarded with cold calls from contact center technology companies. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers, but yeah. customer experience used to be synonymous with contact yeah. center. Yes, yes, exactly. And And I was like, goodness, what have I done? I've just <laughs> branded myself as a contact center specialist and actually... Um, as important as the contact centre is, we were much more interested in figuring out how we could help people not use contact centres and actually helping people fulfil their needs in better ways rather than sitting in phone queues. So um, so that was a, an interesting kind of evolution, I think, of the discipline over the subsequent years where contact centre is an element of what we do, but it's certainly not the be-all and end-all. I think also uh, a few years ago, um, some studies were published where... Uh, there was talk about how customer experience was increasingly going to be the di distinguishing feature for most re certainly retail focused brands that no longer was it product or pricing really that was going to be the differentiator it was customer experience and i think people started to sit up and take notice um at that point um, my personal career highlight i think that there's a few i could think of one was receiving a letter from the bp chief executive before i joined saying how much he valued what what I could bring to the organization as a CX leader oh wow um, that's, that's amazing that's so having amazing. <laughs> a lovely handwritten letter I don't know who asked him to do it but it was a very really lovely gesture and I think it really helped me feel that from the very top of the organization there's a recognition that this stuff is important um, I've never felt within BP that I've had to manage up in that respect I think there's a real appetite for what we can bring um, and so that was lovely I think the other thing that um, I could think of as a personal highlight was in my previous role I was um, a practice director within a large um, IT outsourcing um, consultancy company based in Europe who did, who were very um, heavily technology focused, had been um, working in, in technology for, for decades and brought with it a legacy of um, sort of solution focus and some really great technical know-how. And I was sort of championing the human-centered approach. Um, I, uh, I managed to convince our chief executive and um, various other very um, important and, and influential people that we needed to buy a customer experience consulting practice. Um, and so took it from an initial kind of collaring him at a dinner and putting <laughs> putting it to him as an idea right through to yeah. finding an agency that we were able to buy, valuing it, going through due diligence um, and then integrating the, the agency CX partners into this organisation. And I led that entire process and was um, really very I guess, um, pleased with how it turned out. I felt it was a great achievement and it was a great shift for the company to help kind of turn the tanker a little bit more towards human centricity. The, the company is still within that group and by all accounts doing really well. So I feel personally quite proud to have been oh, part of that. That, that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible, yeah. yeah. It all starts with like those side conversations, right? So the yeah. project I referred to, I guess I feel like it it started during a Christmas dinner, <laughs> and then like you know throughout the Christmas holiday, it just shaped up and like it became something that everyone sort of rallied behind. I think so much of what we do as leaders is relationship based. Yeah. I think. Um, it's not some presentation that you stand up in front of a room of people and try and convince them. It's 
getting alongside somebody and understanding what's on their mind at that point in time mm. and and under, uh, understanding how you can connect that with what you bring and, and building the relationship and the credibility. And I think all of the biggest successes I could look back on in my career have been based on those yeah. conversations, really. It's about relationships and people. Yeah, that, that presentation where you're you're announcing a, a, an initiative to the to the organisation that is, y you know, a year of side conversation yeah, and yeah, influencing. Yeah. And, With and the building. acquisition, it was absolutely that. There were a few key milestones where we were sort of getting we had to get past to get to the next stage. But the work was done way before we went into the room. Yeah. It was yes. all done beforehand. Yeah. yeah, no, that, that's that's a great bit of insight on how, how to drive um, yeah customer experience initiatives in, in a business. It's, it's also great to hear that um, yeah customer has a seat at the table at, at BP, which is which is great. And and handwritten notes are still a thing. Yes. <laughs> both of those are great. <laughs> um, oh, thank thank you so much for that, both. Um, I, I mean, we're talking a little bit about customer experience and, and service design, and, and at Oakland we have sort of a range of service design methodologies that we we like to use. H have have you guys got a preferred or, or, or favourite go-to method for when you're doing innovation or, or, or customer experience design? I guess that depends on like the design maturity and the journey of the organisation or the team that we are working with, um, sort of or the type of the challenge. We're using a really sort of wide variety of tools. I like one of the things I'm super proud of is um, that I'm a. I'm a proud member of the BPHXT team. We have like a lot of tools um, that we use for a variety of different sort of challenges, and we manage to sort of reuse them. Um, so that we use the expertise and the experience like that other people sort of bring to the team. So um, the things that um, I found quite successful like throughout my career and also during my career at BP were like, we talked about the importance of like bringing the people along with you, right? So doing workout sessions during which you are actually sort of doing like mini trainings, but also like showing them um, the sort of the leaders a glimpse of like your world and they are becoming that part of that journey. They're hearing the sort of first, um, uh, first their customer sort of feedback uh, firsthand. And um, I found those quite useful and like, you know, um, the notes uh, or like the sort of the little booklets, depending on how much information that you want to share for those like senior level management um, sort of um, execs um, catered to their roles or side conversations. So those are the tools. But in terms of the other sort of um, the, the tools like the workshops, etc., I I found um, starting with like a heaven and hell workshop quite helpful. Um, actually, that's that's that was born in like the transformation journey, sort of that I uh, six transformation journey that I mentioned earlier. So think about the future heaven and future hell of customer experience and walk back from there, because that that quite that's quite dramatic, but it helps people sort of understand the cost of the, getting it wrong, and. Um, it, like we use um, a variety of different sort of design thinking tools. Um, one of the ones that I find quite powerful in the context of BP is theory of change. Um, thinking about the behavioral shifts that you want to create within the organization and also within the sort of customer space. Um, yeah, those are the sort of two that stand out to me. That, yeah, no, that, that's great. I mean, the, the, the future hell of customer experience. I, I, I love the sound of that. Um, it is quite similar to, to sort of one of our ideation approaches where, you know, if we're trying to improve a, a product or a service, we say, what would make it worse? Mm -hmm. And you keep going and you keep going on what would make it worse. And then you just flip it and you've got all of these great ideas about how to improve the service. Yeah, we yeah, we really like that sort of method. It's, it's great. I like it's that. good fun as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I I'd like to just add, I think um, design thinking is really at the core of how we how we approach our work. And 
empathy for our the humans, our customers is is really crucial to that. Um, we're taking a customer backed approach to pretty much everything we do now. Um, one of the other toolkits that we've developed within BP um, is a sustainable design thinking approach which brings in planetary concerns as well as human concerns. So we're sort of leading the way I think to help BP with its overall ambitions around sustainability to bring that consideration in and give it the kind of importance that it needs to have positive impact as well not just for humans but for the world that we inhabit. Oh, that, that sounds super interesting. Um, I, I understand how we would get that customer insight into a project, but, but planet-centred design, that, that sounds a really interesting concept. How do you bring that research into, um, into a design it's process? Not just, it's not just research, but it's also the set of decisions that you make throughout the process. So the research part is like about understanding the ecosystem. Who is impacted by um, like the, the, the things that you are planning to design? Or what is the as is like situation? If you do nothing, what will be the cost of it to to your organization, to your customers, to people, and to planet? Because a lot of the stuff that um, a lot of the things that we work on are um, like gravitated around um, net zero. So to helping our our organization and our customers achieve their net zero net zero goals and ambitions. So that's like in the research part, we are really like um, putting a lot of emphasis on understanding the the sort of the needs of people, but also like the the needs and the concerns that we need to address for living for leaving a livable planet to the next generations. And uh, we did a, we, it's a big part of our sort of ecosystem mapping process. And in terms of the, the sort of conscious decisions that we make in order to, in order to reduce our carbon impact while we are, while we are working on like some really impressive, interesting things like uh, being mindful of like how you use your computer, how many emails you send, can you do that? Like that thing that you are doing on email, could it be easier with, like in, in a conversation? With people and um, using reusable components, so we have a uh, we have a design system called BP Core, which um, which has um, a lot of sort of reusable components, and also if if development is required, it makes it much easier to sort of develop the the components that they don't exist um, on um, on our design system. So I guess like there is there is a set of different things, and also. In terms of the, the sort of methodologies that we use, we try to reuse those methodologies um, just so we don't lose the knowledge, expertise, but we don't create additional sort of ne negative impact on the planet while we are trying to reinvent the wheel every time. So. And Bethany, you, you've been a leader in the experience design space for, for a long time. Um, what type of leadership style do you think brings the most success? I think um, it's really important to understand where your business is uh, in terms of maturity and 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 meet people where they where they stand. Um, in BP, we're actually a collection of businesses, and some of them are very advanced in the way that they think about human centricity and customer experience. Others are finding this actually quite a new thing. And I I try and apply empathy to my relationships with people. I mentioned earlier, I think so much of what we do is around building relationships, but I really like to um, help people along the journey so rather than coming in and saying this is how things should be done and I know this because I've been doing it for a long time I might think that but what I would say is how can I uh, let me understand what's going on in your world let's understand the the constraints and the challenges you're facing and then let's talk about how the toolkit that we bring can help enable you in what you're trying to do so it's really about sitting alongside people I think sometimes um, 
design has been seen as a very purist kind of practice. There's only really one way of doing it well. Um, and even when that might be true in some cases, I think it's much more um, successful if you can be demonstrate your pragmatism and, and acknowledge that people might need uh, help getting to, to the end point. Um, one of my team said to me the other day, I, I loved it, she said, I know that they need a three-course meal, but right now I'm going to sell them a sandwich. And I think that's, that's a way of, of building confidence if people can start to see the benefit and honestly, it doesn't take long in my experience for the light bulb to go on where people yeah. have not worked with us before. They start to work with us. They start to see the benefit um, and, and they want more of it. And so it becomes a sort of a self-fulfilling thing and you don't have to push it. Um, so my leadership style is very much around soft influence, partnership, pragmatism and just listening and understanding what's going on in people's world. Okay, so, so understanding that we're on a maturity curve here and not everyone can jump straight to perfect and helping them on that on that journey. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and, and Fusen, looking at your background, you've worked across multiple industries. I think we touched on a few of them, but telecoms, consumer electronics, financial services and, and healthcare. Um, d does anything stand out about how these um, different organisations approach sort of customer experience and, and service design? Yeah, I mean, um, we talked about it a little bit, but like in B2B space, I think it depends on like where they are in their maturity journey and like um, the regulations and the constraints that they have. I found that in B2B space, it's usually it, like all these CX and um, service design initiatives usually start with the need for a technology change, like replatforming. That's the wrong reason for starting the customer experience and service design, but that, that's how it starts. And you just need to like, you know, um, use that wind to to get to take people um, along the journey with you uh, because customers are not forgiving right so I'm a big fan of the peak and roll customers would only remember the best the worst and the last experience they have with your brand so how like all of those interactions matter a lot especially if you're an e-commerce business and if you're if you're just like tracking the success of it like on a daily hourly sort of basis um i guess like um one of the other career highlights for me was when when i started um, a customer experience and um sort of um service design program in in that organization and like um it started with like why don't we start doing some usability tests to improve that part of that website and um and then like also convincing the sort of key stakeholders while well, we are doing that those usability tests could we could also use those like interviews to build the profiles of the customers to build the journeys and let's talk about the moments that matter and let's talk about like moments that matter to the business customer moments that matter to the business because you'll make money lose money you know gain competitive advantage or lose competitive advantage it wasn't an easy journey because it it include like multiple layers of management in different territories across the globe but we managed to get it like um right and it it um, resulted in 21 percent year over year revenue increase which is massive and then like the rest of the organization started chasing me for another six initiatives for another six initiative for their part of the business. So, oh, that, yeah. that's great. And, and, it, and it shows the benefit of I, it didn't sound like a small project, but starting small in one place, showing that it works and you won't have to go and sell your wares around the business. People are going to come and come and shout and, and bite your hand off for yeah, it. Exactly. So 
Um, oh no, that, that that sounds great. You, you touched on the the B two C space, and I think one of the things you mentioned of uh, is is the pace of change. Um, and I think those small incremental but fast changes are super important in in the B two C space. I mean, how many organisations go on these long journeys of big bets, um, and by the time they've delivered. Uh, that, that their, their program, you know, the customer of insights out of date, and and the customer expectations and needs have changed. So we constantly, if we if we are going on and embarking on a big transformation, we we can't just do customer insight right at the start. We need to continue to do it and and, and build those learnings and insights in throughout the delivery. Absolutely, and that's something that we're we're getting better at within our organization as well. For a very large organization, it's very easy to become quite unwieldy. Um, and there's a real focus at the moment on customer back. So starting with a really good understanding of the problem that we're trying to solve and and small increments and iteration and r- regularly, constantly talking to the people that we're designing these things for and checking, is this still the right way to do things and not waiting for 18 months to find out whether it's a su- success or a failure. Um, I've also in in the design practice within BP, we also have change management now, which is really thinking about after we launch, making sure that the services that we deliver are being adopted and, and actually not creating interruption to the business, et cetera, but creating that feedback loop as well. So um, we should be talking to our customers every day, every week. Mm. It's it's just something that we need to get in the habit of doing in a, such a systematic way that it's it's like, um, you know, opening your laptop in the morning and we're getting there and and I think that again comes from the top down it's a cultural shift this idea that we um we bring the customers in in a really kind of um, intimate way to what we're doing and 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 focus all of our activities around that constant experiment yeah and, and like you say that must be such a culture shift to, to constantly look for for feedback and, and insight from customers because it might not always be positive I imagine and that that's where you get the best the best learnings and, and best pivots the insights engine should like keep running on the background because you can't yeah, yeah. You just operate and without yeah, it. there's some very clever people within our t- organization who do those kind of large scale insight studies that yeah. give us really good quality, rigorous kind of information in order to place our bets. And then it's about how do we go deep and get really kind of close um, and and go out and spend time in our sites, in our um, environments where these uh, people are interacting with us and really kind of get to the heart of their problems. But um it's also about being ready to accept, as you say, things sometimes don't work out and that that's OK as well. And as, again, celebrating we didn't do that and that was a good thing and it was valuable. We learned early on that that wasn't the right thing to do and we were able to do something more valuable instead. Yeah, that, that is so hard for, for organisations to, to, you know, the amount of projects we've been on where our recommendation is just kill this off. It, it's not working. It's not giving you value. It's, you know, but someone's gone up to a board and said it's it's what needs to happen. So getting comfortable and celebrating that we've made a decision based on data and insight that we're going to kill this this initiative off is, is actually something that we should be doing. Yeah. Um, no, brilliant. Um, I think uh, we, we, we've touched on it a little bit through through some of our other conversations, um, but I'd be, be super interested to hearing a bit more about your current roles at, at BP um, and where your team fits into the sort of wider organisation. Yeah, I, I can start. So um, I think Fusa mentioned HXD stands for Human Experience Design. So this is our um, design and change management practice within the innovation and engineering entity in BP. Um, So innovation and engineering contains um, digital as well as physical um, engineering and science, applied sciences and lots of very, very smart people doing really important um, work. Within our digital organization, um, we are um, 
we've focused around products now, so we're taking more of a customer-backed, product-led way of approaching the work that we do. Um, and in our design and change management discipline, um, I look after the design integration and change management team. Um, design integration is a fairly new um, aspect of what we do within BP, but I guess um, it's fairly synonymous with design management in other organisations. Um, with a few other things sprinkled in. But but for me, design integration is really about partnering with the organisation and giving them access to all of the great tools and skills that we have within our discipline. So we have service design, product design, research, content, design engineering. So we have some, some really great skills within our discipline. My team are really like the ambassadors for, for what we can do and we are partnering with each of our um, our portfolios of work to represent the discipline and to provide access to the work, oversee the work, but also to shape up the right approaches. So um, when I talked about kind of soft influence and stakeholder management, that's a big part of what we do. Um, our job is not to push design into the teams, but to create the, the environment where design can have a really positive impact. Um, and partnering um, with technologists, with product leaders, and also to some extent with our business partners as well um, to sort of make the most of the great tools and, and capabilities we have within our discipline. Um, so I'm part of the design integration and change management team reporting into Bethany, and I work in the part of the business that looks after net new initiatives i guess is the best way of like talking about it right so it's it's zero to one it's a concept that is defined as from nothing to something i i, I said that before um so it, it 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 is um it is like a lot of different things sometimes it's a hunch sometimes it's just like some insight that we heard from a different conversation with like with a different they're doing a different conversation with a different customer and sometimes it's something that we like um we were asked to explore by the business it's all around sort of n new digital products that are very early stages or like areas of opportunities for new digital products so we do quite a lot of like um, exploring the white space where the opportunity pool is and also um, market fit for existing products, repurposing existing products. The other aspect of integration in, in the context of what we do is um, so we integrate our capability with the organization, but we're also integrating in terms of how we think about customer experiences. Mm. Um, I think when we're, we're focusing in on particular problems or products, um, it's easy to lose sight of how that kind of comes together in the ways that our customers interact with us. And a BP is a, such a huge organization. Um, it doesn't make sense to only ever think about touch points individually or even customer segments. There are people who could interact with us with many different personas, depending on the time of day or, you know, what they're doing. So um, we try to take that kind of integrated view around customer experience as well and always bring that perspective um, and sort of, yeah, provide that that lens for, for the work that we're doing. So, so you provide that integrated sort of holistic customer view across these different products then. So they, they might be super focused on their their one particular product and those those touch points. And you say, well, actually, this customer is probably engaging with yeah. our brand in, in, in different exactly. areas. And I think actually um, we're not the only people that, that are interested in that and are 
championing that view. Um, obviously, there are there are teams within the the market facing organisation that are taking that view as well, and actually, even the people delivering products are being increasingly encouraged to, to think more broadly. Um, but I think the more people that have that mindset, and certainly as um as a design team, a service design team, we're naturally thinking quite expansively. Um, service design is all about that holistic view of the experience, not just the touch points. And so yeah. we're um, I think we're part of, of a, a coalition of, of change that is really focusing on that in the organization. Oh no, that, that, that sounds sounds amazing. And I can't imagine the, 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 the shift to go from sort of, uh, I imagine you were quite a siloed operating model before to, to a product-centric operating model and, and, and customer back. That must have been quite challenging for some for some people. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people are really starting to see the benefits of working in this way. And, and as with any change, I think um, you have to experience it and start to recognise how valuable it is. Um, as I say, the organisation is very different in different areas and some, some areas were already embracing this way of working for some time. Others, it's a bit newer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, we are an organisation in the midst of a, a huge transformation that's not going to be just around digital by any means or customer experience for that matter. We're, we're, we're evolving as an organisation and I think you have to get comfortable with that. So actually, that, that would be great to hear, hear more about. Could, could we touch on what BP's sort of priorities are um, sure. this year? Yeah, absolutely. So in around 2020, I think it was, BP announced an ambition to transition from being an international oil company to an integrated energy company. Uh, that's a really big statement and there's a lot within that. Um, but uh, as part of that uh, that new strategic direction, BP published 20 aims, which kind of break down the way that we're going to, uh, to transition. Um, the 20 aims kind of fall into, I think, four main categories. The first category is around getting BP to net zero. And there's a huge amount of focus on that and how we... Um, we transition uh, the organisation to be a cleaner organisation with less environmental impact. There's also a, a set of aims around helping the world get to net zero. So a lot of the initiatives that we're driving within the organisation are to help other um, large players um, achieve their net zero ambitions as well. The third one, which I really love, is around improving lives. And there are aspects of that um, around a just transition and livelihoods. But the one that I particularly like is greater equity. So AIM 14 is one that um, we talk about a lot within BP and particularly within human-centred design is how do we make sure that what we do is inclusive and brings people along and doesn't leave any, anybody behind. And an organisation that impacts so many lives, I think it's a great um, focus for us to think about how we do that in a really positive way way um, and then finally it's around caring for our planet and so um, as as newcomers into the organization it's been lovely to have a really clear purpose and ways that we can um, have line of sight the work that we're doing and how it can help impact on those really positive aims um, so yeah that's that's the BP purpose and ambition and and one that we're we're super excited about that that sounds that sounds great, and you can see why sort of planet-centered design or planet-centric design is coming into your design processes. Then you're really translating those those ambitions and goals into sort of how that impacts people's day-to-day. Absolutely, day -to -day, I think that the, the purpose of BP it's not just something that sits on our website. It's really in our DNA, and it's about everything we do. When the way that we think about our work, the way we talk about our work, the decisions we make. Um, this stuff is really at the front of our mind and I've been really impressed. I don't know how you found it coming in to find that it's it's not just window dressing, it's really so mm. ingrained in how we work. Definitely. 
before we end, what, what would be the one takeaway you would you would want sort of listeners to, to take away if they were starting on their sort of customer experience or, or service design journey? Um, I think it's about embracing the journey, right? So it will be a bumpy journey, probably. And you will find um, a lot of obstacles, but foc- we were we were actually having a conversation just earlier, focusing on the positives and focusing on like where you can ignite that change, where you can ignite that sort of customer centered thinking, where you can um, create like more ambassadors of the customer within the organization, and how do you then like turn it into a bigger force? So I think that's that's key for me, and I found that like BP is on that journey and really committed to deliver um, the best outcomes for our customers and the planet. But um, we also have um, a long way to go for some areas that we want to improve. I think for me, it's um, obviously we can do we can have initiatives to try and drive change within the business, and and that's really important, and we will continue to do that. The, the big thing for me is a, it's a culture, it's a mindset, um, human centricity or just being human and thinking about people <laughs> is so simple, but it's so easily overlooked. And if we as, as leaders can find ways of just bringing it up to the top of people's minds all the time, just kind of refocusing all the time around what we're doing for the, the humans that we're impacting. Um, the other thing I would say is that... Um, driving positive impacts for people and thinking about how we include people in our thought processes always bar none drives better business outcomes so it can be seen as a nice to have a fluffy thing that sits on the side but in my 20 something years of experience time and time again I've seen evidence that not only is this the right thing to do from a human standpoint but it makes good business as well so it's a bit of a no-brainer absolutely absolutely well um Bethany Fusen, thank you so much for coming on on Oakland's Brighter Business podcast. Um, I've certainly enjoyed it. I, I hope you both have have Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll catch up soon. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you so much for having us. Perfect. Thank, thank you. you.